When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff right to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Howdy, folks. Welcome back to Viva the Cats, the Cincinnati podcast repping the 1012 Network. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, and we cover all things Bearcats every single week on our live Spaces reviews, which we do over the weekends. We did our first one for the season this past weekend and our weekly episodes, which you're listening to now. So without further ado, um, talking about things that happened this weekend. Is it time to have the capital D dialogue here. I mean, it, are, are the Bearcats good? <laughs> are we good? Charles Barkley, we are going to start a dialogue. <laughs> we, uh, we yeah. just might be Justin. I'm going to use a caveat and say, maybe just yeah. maybe. Yeah. Just maybe. Uh, because, you know, we still got a lot of ways to go, but numbers are liking us right now. You got to feel good about how the Bearcats played on Saturday night. And if you want our instant reaction to that, like Justin said, you can listen to our Spaces pod that we released on Sunday, did it on Saturday. We'd love to see you there in the chat live Saturdays after games. Um, I don't know, Justin, I I feel like we can say that it's possible. You might not have said that before the season that it was possible, but now just creak that door open just (laughs) just a little bit. Yeah. Sorry for the audio there. Um, it's possible now. And I don't think we could have said that before the season. So shout out to the players, coaching staff, Coach Satterfield, everybody who got this team ready, starting 2-0. and Look, They look prepared. They look sharp on Saturday. I mean, now the door is open. Yeah. Just a little bit. Uh, well, we can keep busting the door open, but right now it's open. Yeah. I mean, we, so we talked uh, this past week with the Loyal Sons, did a little cross-collab episode with them. Um, and... It seems like they've said that Pitt beat themselves. And maybe this is why if they're right or if they're wrong, which you guys can have that decision, uh, it's up to you. Um, You know, we're obviously going to be debating that as well, but I don't know. I mean, I I see the light in their argument, but at the same time, um, I I think Cincinnati's defense just did a fantastic job of stuffing Pitt. I mean, and there's definitely some arguments there with Phil just, did not look good at all on Saturday. I mean, you know, try as you might to reason with that 10 of 32. It doesn't matter what way you look at it. That is a poor performance. Um, and ultimately, when it comes down to it, was that the difference maker in the game? Um, 27-21 game, it was definitely close. But 
I would still argue that the Bearcats did a fantastic job of pressuring the passing game, did a fantastic job of breaking up passes. Shout out Justin Harris had four pass breakups in that game. Um, you know, of course, there's some other little ticky tack stuff that had happened, but that's what that's what's going to happen when you're playing hard and you're breaking up some passes. So, I mean, I, I think that I the Bearcats did a good job shutting been... that down. I want to even say that it should have been nine and thirty-two because there was that one moon ball in the, <laughs> the first or second. Oh yeah, that yeah. Like, it, I think that thing. <laughs> I like this uh, from Mike Dolik Jr. over the weekend. He was commenting on the Alabama Texas game. He's like, I think that might have high five God with how five how high that one went. <laughs> it Same looked for like Phil a Jerkovic. Like that one, it, it literally did. <laughs> and then somehow a pit receiver just of course right there looked like he was catching it like that. I. Man, he just did not look good. He did not like the fans booing him on Saturday. Um, the Loyal Suns guys, they can say what they want, but I, I think you know it's pretty hard to respond to us taking them three and out on the first drive and then us scoring on four plays to start the game. Like yep. that's a punch you in the mouth scenario right there. Yep. And the Bearcats took it to him. It was 20 to seven at halftime. And like I, I do think maybe there's some things that can be cleaned up about the second half. Maybe you just keep the foot on the gas. They forced a turnover right away to start the second half. Like, you know, they had the momentum and they they were up 27 to 7, Justin. Like this was there's a, a game score thing that Parker Fleming at Stats Award does on Twitter where it it sees it's measures and he calls it like, did your team really get beat that bad? And it had UC on the same level as Florida State beating Southern Miss. And I think Florida State won by 60. Like, that's how big, like, the margin. Yeah. And uh, it had us at the same level as that uh, North Carolina App State game. That game was a little bit closer. Yeah. Man, like, I mean, say what you want. Maybe Pitt is, maybe it turns out Pitt's not a very good team and we're just all riding high, basically off of a 2021 Indiana situation. Yeah. But for right now, we'll see what West Virginia does against them because I don't really think that highly of West Virginia right now. Um, if West Virginia beats them, then maybe we'll have to just pull back on the considerations. But right now, all the numbers are loving UC. It's a good time to be a Bearcat fan. Let me throw this one out there because you mentioned West Virginia. Um, and I'm curious in a quick answer between Pitt and West Virginia in that game. Obviously, we're not going to really root for either team. I think as a big 12 homer, we're going to root for West Virginia. But are you rooting for Pitt in that game to smack the shit out of West Virginia or are you going to be rooting for West Virginia so we can come down later in the season and maybe look at having them having a stronger resume when we play them I mean I I, who do you think we get the benefit out of more personally I would think it would be Pitt but probably Pitt not to lead the witness they have the stronger (laughs) well and you we already kind of thought that West Virginia was not going to be very good we thought that Pitt might be better um so if both of them turn out to be bad, then that would not be good for your Cincinnati Bearcats. But I think if Pitt walks in there motivated, somehow maybe they're in like a look ahead spot to next week after after yeah. last week, maybe Djokovic lights them up, goes like 40 of 40. They should be a lot better at running the ball. And I think UC has a much de- better defensive front seven than mm-hmm. West Virginia. I haven't really looked into West Virginia's front seven, but you know, just the amount of dudes that we have, like it's really hard to match up with us on that line. So maybe Pitt was just understanding that, trying to go away from that. They didn't really have much success running the ball, to be fair. So yeah, that's and, fair. But I did hear on a couple of post game shows just from the national media, 
if Phil Dracovich is throwing it 30 times, there's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Man, there was though, the, the only thing they were right about in our pregame preview, he has a lot of late stage Ben Roethlisberger in him. Like, Oh it was yeah. Just, man, it was hard to take him down. He did not fumble the ball. He like hobbled his way out of sacks and somehow threw the ball. It was mostly incomplete though. Unlike Ben, Ben yeah, always somehow made a completion out of those, but um, it was nice to, to see that. And then, like I said on, on the post game show, and I'll say it again, the boys were hating hard. Like oh, yeah. that Eric Phillips play, you can Dude. see it. Oh, football tweeted it out, man. He looked like he was in WWE just body slamming him. Like, that, that was yeah. awesome. <laughs> that looked like a straight up, like, you know, when they go like back off the ropes and then they run mid, uh, <laughs> middle of the ring and then they like run into each other and and they like flip across each other that was the kind of shit that happened there that was crazy i mean there was like you said there was a lot of really hard hits in that game and like i mean coming from the offensive and defensive side of the ball again we went into it really heavily detailed so check out the show from this weekend but Corey kiner leaning into hits like the offense was really pushing it too and they were trying hard um and so i think from both sides of the ball we're just seeing a much more aggressive bearcats than we've been used to seeing on both sides of the ball of course defensively the Bearcats have been pretty well set, but um, I, I mean, they just looked aggressive and that's something that I really like to see. Um, again, Satterfield went for like a fourth and one really late in the game too. Um, and, and that one, you know, you can understand the reasoning, but that's a ballsy play because you give the ball back to Pitt there, you're screwed if they score. And so, I mean, it's one of those situations where I think it worked out for us, but <clears throat> I'd be interested to see, uh, how some of that play calling goes again in some more tighter, you know, some more tight games coming down the line, like maybe like an Oklahoma game, hoping that that's a tight and close game uh, in the Bearcats favor too. Um, but I mean, those kind of games are going to make the difference. And ultimately, you know, the Bearcats only score seven points in the second half, but they managed to close it out. I mean, and that I think comes down to really great defense and, you know, just kind of killing some clock. Um, and ultimately that's going to win you games. At the end of the day, I mean, you might not be able to score all the time. It might not just be there. You might lose your momentum. There might be some flags that are going to get pulled like we saw in this game. Um, and once that stuff starts happening, you lose your momentum. You have to be able to control on one side of the ball, at least either put up points or shut down the other team. And we did that. So that's going to win you those games later. And if we can keep that mentality for the rest of the season, I think the Bearcats are going to win a lot of those close ones because um, I'm sure we'll have a few of them. Um, according again, uh, we didn't really cover it on this show, we but, but we are on our weekend show. But the updated ESPN matchup predictor has the Bearcats going 11 and 1. So uh, say what you will, but there is a little bit of belief from the computers that the Bearcats will do well this season. Um, and from now, the not so I will computers... just add the caveat real quick. <laughs> Sorry, I okay. will just add the caveat real quick. ESPN's analytics have been known to be quite bad. So oh, yeah. let's just all. Take that with a grain of salt. Well, they also would have told you <laughs> but, that uh, Alabama was going to beat Texas, and here we are uh, still. Horns down. Don't believe yeah. in them. Regardless, the non-computers also believe in the Bearcats. Um, there are a few, a couple, I think it was like, what, three votes for the Bearcats <laughs> in uh, the AP yes. poll? Yeah, but, three. Um, not much, but went over Miami. A couple you know, pieces start to shift in that uh, chessboard, and I think the Bearcats, if you can... If you can manage to pull off Oklahoma, you're sliding up real quick, but you got to take care of business with Miami first. So speaking of Miami, Bearcats, 14 point favorites, 90.7 win projection uh, for that game. And I think from pretty much every other outlet, it should be 
uh, maybe not a blowout, but it's going to be, it's going to be in the Bearcats favor for sure. Um, there are going to be some names to watch and we'll go into those as well. But uh, initial feelings on Miami, Steve, what do you have? Does Miami care about this rivalry anymore, Justin? <laughs> That's what I have. So they, uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, but in the Mac um, recently, it, they've been treating these non-conference games, all of the conference members, I mean, not just like Miami, I, I swear all of them, maybe except for Toledo. Toledo gave Illinois a pretty good game. They played their starters. Most of these schools are not playing their starters in these non-conference games, and it's weird. Yeah. They're all really focused on trying to win the MAC, and they're treating these non-conference games like they're preseason. Like mm-hmm. Miami was not – I think it was in 21. They didn't start Gabbert because of – Oh, yeah. I, I, remember I don't that. remember. They. It was something else. I think they just knew they were going to get killed, and they just – put out somebody else and there's no indication of that happening this week but i think that's more disrespectful honestly justin (laughs) to just treat this as like a non-conference game and you know we're going to beat your ass anyway i understand that but like you got to at least give your best players the chance to play and again no indication of that this week unless something crazy happens again then they're just throwing up the white flag and chuck martin you you lose your respect for me again it, I just don't understand it, man. Like, well, I want to. Why, if it's a real rivalry, why wouldn't you care? Like, they greased up the the yeah, uplights. I at mean, Miami I, in 2017. That was the way that chance. I look I mean, at it. This is since, but this rivalry is just at a point in time where, like you said, I mean, we beat them over and over and over again, and so I feel like they've gotten to the point of, uh, sadly enough, just hopelessness for this rivalry. And Miami fans, again, they don't care about it anyways, but. When it comes to the like the team too, like you said, I mean, if they're treating this like a non-conference game, they're treating it like just like, all right, pencil that one in, we'll go to the conference because the Mac, they can actually beat up on each other. I don't see why they wouldn't find value in this and like really trying to keep this rivalry going and trying to win this game because can you imagine what that does for Miami like long term? Well, I mean, if we get to the point, credit. yeah, I mean, if we get, if we get seriously, if they go run the table in the Mac. If they were to go like eight, no in the Mac, nine and zero in the Mac, whatever, however many games they're going to have in the Mac. If they clear their schedule, win their conference championship and they beat the Bearcats in the season, generally with the Bearcats being the way that they have being a nine, 10 win team over the past handful of years. If they have that on their resume in an expanded college football playoff, there might be a conversation. I doubt it, but, it gives them a chance versus if you don't have this game in your schedule. If you go play another FCS team that you could beat up, it doesn't matter. But if you beat a team that's in the Power Five now, if you beat a team that is considered to be one of the top like 30, you know, 40 teams perennial, perennially every single year, annually, what's that? Annually, perennial. I don't remember. If they're in there every single year, that holds a lot of value for Miami, but they don't play it like it's a rivalry anymore. And they don't play it like they ever care about it. I agree. I mean, well, I think that's, well, and I'm they, they should because, well, Justin, like you remember last year, they were up, I think 17, seven, maybe 10, nothing yeah. early. Like well. I know maybe it was a UC turnover or something. That was a rough start. They've given us some fits weirdly in these games. Even when like they, we were supposed to be a lot better than them. Um, the 2013 game comes to mind when we only won 14, nothing. Um, I think the only time we've really like blown the doors off them in the past 10 years was that 21 game first right. game of the season. And you know, it was just like no contest. They yeah. just completely kicked their ass. 
I am just, I don't know. I want this to be a rivalry because I think rivalry trophies are cool. I think this is cool. But if Miami's not going to care about the game, why, what's the difference between just them and another Mac team? And I yep. also would argue, Justin, that, you know, I think road games between these teams are good. I don't, I do kind of like having the ability to go up to Oxford because it's mostly Bearcat fans that go up there anyway. Right. So I, I do think like, I don't want to, I don't want this to end, but if they're not going to take it seriously, should we take it seriously? That's my only point. That's my thought on it. Yeah, no, and I, I definitely agree with that too. I mean, we're getting to the point where Bearcats are going to have to start. We're going to have to add like half of their column of red, just turn it into black and start painting over their side because, I mean, that's what we're getting to. I mean, they got it. Did you something. see we re-stickered it last year? Yeah, we no, I did see it that. Was getting too close to the edge. And yeah. And they re- <laughs> repainted, re-stickered, and Sherry had to write on it again. So yeah. shout out to Sherry. Hopefully yeah. we're going to do it again this year. <laughs> Regardless, um, you know, Miami, they're going to have some people that they're going to throw out there and we're going to see if they actually put up a contest. It looks like they have a couple decent players. There's one that looks really good. Um, I'll let you go into these specifically, but um, the first one off the top, I'll mention of Brett Gabbard. Um, that's going to be, you know, it's the same name at QB that just if one works, we're going to put in another looks decent so far. We'll we'll see how this all pans out. Um maybe he can do a little bit better job of giving the Bearcats some hell, but we'll see. I do appreciate this strategy Justin of <laughs> uh, actually going out and recruiting a quarterback instead of, you know, just pulling the best GCL quarter because they had Gus Raglan starting mm-hmm. for at least five and a half years there yeah. at Miami and I was like I've been watching way too much Gus Ragland in my life because <laughs> I think he graduated like either a year before me or the same year as me in high school so like for nine straight years I think I watched <laughs> Gus Ragland play against my team and I'm like enough I'm done yeah <laughs> um, so having a real quarterback that's a good start um, and then they just got a transfer from southeast Louisiana Gage Larvinen speedy speedy guy returns punts 276 yards and three receiving touchdowns. One of them, a 70 yarder, one of them, a 99 yarder. Now it was at UMass. UMass is not going to win many games this year. Weirdly enough, they did beat New Mexico state. They did beat uh, a on the team road to start the year. <laughs> yes. They won but, a um, game. Uh, Larvidane against Miami, Florida. Um, he did have eight catches, but I think it was, it, he did not have any touchdowns because Miami did not score a touchdown in that game. So if you know, you're taking that into consideration, uh, I, I do think that the Bearcats can take care of this game, but it is a rivalry and Miami has been known to like really come out strong the first couple quarters. So I think you got to bring out that 2021 playbook and just punch them in the mouth early and they'll wilt. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think with the bolstering of the offense too, that Scott Satterfield's providing, I mean, if, if we saw what we saw, the effectiveness that we saw against Pitt, first of all, last week, you know, going into a road environment that's rowdy like that. And well, I guess not super rowdy. They didn't really fill the stadium very well. That's a different story. But going into a road game like Pitt and playing EKU and absolutely blitzing them out the gates. I mean, if we could do that against Miami, like just run it up early and put it in cruise control. Um, Personally, I'd like to see the throttle down the entire time. I really would just love to give it, give it to them. And uh, I mean, I think we're at the point where, you know, before it's like we're searching for, you know, five, six wins in our schedule. I guess we're searching for six wins in our schedule. Now it's like, do we start, do we start looking for some uh, style points? <laughs> Are we looking for style points in a ga- run, game? Run the Xavier Henderson run past the defender play like three more times like you did against EKU. And I think we'll be good. 
yeah, I, I think mean, we'll that's, be all right. that's all you need. Uh, and we'll see if Miami can keep up. Um, this is going to be an interesting thing for us to look at after this week too, because assuming under the assumption that the Bearcats can take care of business in that game, not have any struggles and come out of that with, I think uh, we're at what number 18 now. That'd be number 18 straight or 19 straight. I can't even keep track 17. anymore. 17. Thank you. It would be number 17. So yeah. again, knock on wood, knock on your bell. Do there apparently just in the series is also tied is tied at Nippert right now. So mm. it would be nice to put that one over on the win side too. Yeah. Turning a new leaf for Nippert Stadium. Um overall, like I said, I, I think that's gonna have some interesting implications to see where the Bearcats sit after this weekend um, going into playing Oklahoma again at home at Nippert. Uh, that's going to be an awesome environment that will be like 95% chance. That that's big noon kickoff. I don't think it's officially confirmed yet, but it's the primetime slot for Fox at noon. So why not? You know, I think it's going to happen. Uh, they personally. can't go to Colorado that week. Colorado's on the road. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they can't go to Colorado that week. Uh, and they, are passing up on what I think will be the most rowdy and fun environment of the week in the backyard brawl this week. So whatever, keep following Colorado around all season. I don't hate it, but uh, you know, I guess give some amount of life to a team that has had none for quite some time. Steve, you got a Bearcat sports wrap up. Yes, Justin. And we've got new rules for the Bearcat sports wrap up this week. We're putting one minute on the clock. So I'm going to go ahead Start the timer right now. Three, two, one. Women's golf. The team claimed fourth in the Jennifer Duke Invitational hosted by UC over the weekend at Losanville Country Club. Shout out to senior uh, Paula. I forget your last name. I apologize. We'll take that out uh, for finishing third in the tournament. Uh, UC, uh, like I said, finished fourth. Men's golf. Ryland Witherspoon finished T12 for Cincinnati in the visit Knoxville Inv- uh, Collegiate. They will host the Bearcat Invitational next Monday and Tuesday at Coldstream Country Club. Get out there. Soccer, the women drew at Butler on Thursday 2-2 on amazing uh, equalizer goal right at the end and unfortunately lost to Pitt 2-1 on Sunday at home. Big 12 opener this week as they visit K-State on Thursday. I think this is just in the first official Big 12 conference match for the athletic department yep. overall, so pretty exciting. Go watch that. Volleyball, they split matches this weekend at home with South Carolina to improve to 6-2 and two on the season. Bearcats will play against Butler and at Wright State in the True by Hilton Dayton Beaver Creek Invitational this upcoming Friday Hell of and a name. Saturday. <laughs> Tennis. I agree. Tennis, the women will start their fall season by heading up to Harvard this weekend and playing the Harvard Fall Classic. And I missed the timer. All right, everyone. Uh, I, disappointment, but I got a shout out. All of our sports. <laughs> Milliseconds, just we're working. You know? I, I tried to shout out our, our senior there on the women's golf team. Uh, I'll pull up her name, but great week, great weekend. Good, some good results for the Bearcats teams. Like we said earlier, use your SBM Plus purchase for more than just football and basketball. All the sports are usually on there, so go ahead and watch them. That's a fantastic point. Uh, ESPN Plus, y'all got to figure out something. Y'all got to figure out something. I cannot I cannot keep paying for ESPN Plus and not have an ESPN game. That is just bullshit. I'm sorry. Figure it out. Figure it out. I, I, and by the I way, I shouldn't have to pay that, for a cable uh, package. Golf- <laughs> yes. Um, Charter's gonna make it, uh, gonna figure that out for you. Don't worry. Uh, yeah. Charter and Spectrum, they're they're your friends in this argument. Um, by the way, senior Paula Rosario was the uh, Bearcat on the women's golf team who finished 
third overall at the Jennifer Duke Invitational. So shout out to her. Great job. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, you know, that Cincy Rain series that uh, Dante had with the golfer that is also escaping my name right now. Um, I'm pulling it up. I apologize. Um, on uh, is it Brooke? Excuse me. Yes, Brooke Patterson. Terrible radio by me. I apologize. But <laughs> shout out to the women's golfers, man. Let's go support them. Let's go support the men. Go support all of those sports. You know, like we've said on this podcast, Justin, we do talk a lot about the football and basketball teams, but everybody deserves our support. They're all Bearcats, one and the same. They're all student athletes who wear the red and black. So go out there and support them. Let's go. Absolutely. And I'm going to add one more to the end here because I'm just finding this out. Apparently, Bearcats Women's Club Rugby beat Ball State by 82 points, 87 to wow. five. So uh, I that's deserving of a shout out. That's just an absolute ass beating. Yeah. So good job to you. It's been good, man. They've <laughs> been good for a while. I like, I remember when we were on campus, they were like, good, good, dude. So, so look out for that. Shout out maybe, to them. maybe there's some more uh, trouble coming down their lane. Um, Yeah. I, that I think wraps out just about everything we've got, except for the back half of our show, which will include an interview with the one and the only Ryan Roberts. Ryan Roberts, I'm not even going to give you any details about him. We're just going to go straight into it. Have fun. We're going to give you an ad real quick. Hey there, folks. We want to take a quick break to read this message from our sponsors, Charlie Hustle Clothing Co. They are a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City that specializes in collegiate and hometown apparel, and they want you to be the best-dressed fan this season. So be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel and show off your school spirit all season long. With over 30 schools to choose from and all schools in the Big 12, except for Cincinnati, which we're still working on, they've got you covered with all of the collegiate apparel needs so shop today at www.charliehustle.com where you can find vintage made fresh. Hey there, folks. We're back with Ryan Roberts. Uh, we mentioned this earlier in the show. So in the back half of our show, we've got Ryan here to introduce himself. Tell us all about you, man. So, hey, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, I actually did this probably 15 years ago in my early 20s. Started out covering Northern Kentucky high school football and basketball. Um, and it kind of led to a gig with rivals covering Xavier basketball, of all things. Being for a year or two, for a year or two, and then got into covering basketball nationally for rivals on my own thing, doing, uh, you know, hoot mixtapes, all of that. And then uh, back in January, I got an opportunity to cover UC basketball and, uh, I've been doing that, and then it kind of snowballed into covering UC football, going to Big 12 media days, and now covering the Scott Satterfield era. So yeah, it's it's been awesome, man. You know, getting into the uh, getting into the Bearcat stuff. You know, I'm a huge UC fan, so it kind of works out. But you know, obviously, I have the profession. Yeah. So thank you for joining us, by the way. Appreciate it. Like I was telling you before, it's great to see another person covering the Bearcats and giving fans that access that we are craving, you know, yeah. and especially yeah. as the big 12 move happens, there's a lot more definitely day to day, week to week that fans might want to hear from. So, um, and you've been in person, you've, you were at the pit game on Saturday. Yeah. You've been able to attend the games. Justin and I were away from the team. I'm in Arizona. He's in Tennessee. Yeah. 
we're not able to go to the games in person right now. So obviously we've been able to watch on TV, see what it's like, two impressive games so far. But what in person is really impressing you so far about this football team? So it's it's funny what I said because the first thing I said to, you know, some of the guys that were around me on Saturday is just how calm, cool, and collective this team is, you know. Pitt, that's a hostile environment. You know, the, the fans are rowdy. They showed up early, similar to the NIP. You know, they're, they're you know, shouting things at the players. But the thing that kind of got overlooked during all of the preseason hype and rankings where they were picked 13th in the Big 12 was how much experience this team has. You know, you look at Emory Jones, Dewan Briggs, uh, Malik Van. So much experience on this team that these atmospheres just don't phase them. You know, you look how loose they were during warmups. They're having a good time. You know, they're going back and forth with fans, but just having a good time with them. And I think that's that's a reflection of Scott Satterfield. Um, you know, under Fickle, things were probably a little bit more strict. Less than time. Um, and, and I think his personality is really wearing off on his team. And you see it during work, not just workouts and preseason activities, but also in the game as well. They don't get rattled. Yeah. And that's a big thing. Like I, I, I definitely, you can see, like you can see in the way that they play, you can see that the way they approach the game, they still got that same kind of swagger that they were carrying before. But um, you make a really good point, too. And I think there's a certain element that Scott care. It's the way he carries himself, I think, that you can definitely see that reflection mm-hmm. to, you know, the way these guys play. And it definitely feels like there's a bit more. Um, the momentum feels a little bit heavier with these guys. It feels like so far they've been able to like come out swinging a bit harder and they're able to get going a little bit faster in the ways that I feel like with a lot of the fickle teams, granted we're only two games in, but a lot of the fickle teams, it felt like you kind of had to like prime the engine first and you had to, you know, take the cold start to some of these games. And eventually then the engine gets going and you start turning. But, um, you know, I I think pace wise, things have seemed to be going really well. Um, as far as like this season going so far, like I mentioned, we're two and zero. Um, I'm I'm sure you were probably like us, maybe really hyped at the beginning, and then maybe came back down to earth a little bit. Where are you at now after starting off two and zero for the Bearcats? Um, so I I kind of thought from the beginning, you know, seeing the spring game and kind of having a chance to watch some of the workouts, I thought. Them, a lot of that had to just do with their experience, you know. You know, you'll get D Wiggins, Emory Jones, uh, um, I'm sorry, Sterling Burkhalter, Aaron Turner. These are all guys that have played a lot of ball. Taj Ward, um, Justin Harris, these are dudes that have a lot of experience. Brian Threats, you know, they've sat and waited their turn behind guys, you know, Sauce Gardner, Brian Cook. So, there's a lot of experience with this team. Um, Going into the season, I thought the two keys were how well is Emory Jones going to play and how well is the offensive line going to gel. Through two games, Emory Jones is completing 75% of his passes, and the offensive line has produced a running back with over 100 yards both games. So, I mean, it's <laughs> it's it, it's hard to not be excited because, you know, going into the Pitt game, a lot of people thought, you know, Pitt's going to out-physical the Bearcats. This isn't a Luke Fickle team. And I think if you looked at that Fenway Bowl, even granted a lot of guys were out for both teams, the bottom 
the ball and pretty much ever the so I, I think that heading into obviously the rivalry week with Miami and looking forward, I think as long as the Bearcats can continue to do what they're doing, they'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that's a great point about the experience as well. Uh, just a lot of things. I mean, I listen to a, just a, a lot of national media podcasts because I like college football one and two, just to kind of get the perspective and seeing how people feel about Cincinnati and I, I do think that was something that was getting brought up is that they were a mystery team that you didn't really know what to expect from them. But I think that experience is a great point. And I, I'm kind of curious what you think about just, you know, Baylor seems to be falling off pretty hard right now. Texas Tech, one of the favorite teams in this league, not on the Bearcats schedule, but starting out 0-2. A couple of the Big 12 teams not really looking as strong. West Virginia, Houston, BYU come to mind. Uh, do you think that some of that experience and some of this good play so far can carry throughout this season and maybe the Bearcats can overperform some of those preseason expectations? So I did a preseason pod with Mo Ager, and that's I'm glad you brought that up because that's something him and I discussed that he wasn't surprised where they were picked because of the unknowns. He was more surprised where they were picked because of the schedule. So, you know, you look at the schedule, they avoid the top four teams in the league yep. coming into the preseason rankings. But you, West Virginia, at West Virginia, winnable game. You've got, you get this game at home at Nippert. Um, Iowa State, they've kind of been a train wreck since all the stuff happened with their quarterback. That's another winnable game, homecoming. Um, so at Houston, another, you know, they just lost, was it Rice? That they lost to yeah. at home. So there's 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 a lot of uh, uncertainty with this team. But you look at their schedule. There's not a game you look at and you're like, oh, that's a definite loss. So coming into the season, I felt like even before seeing what they did the first two games, I felt like you had probably a four, seven wins. I think a successful season is making a bowl game, but I don't think that's what fans should expect. I think that. Like I said, you know, a ceiling of nine wins. I think that's reasonable, especially getting past this road win over Pitt. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think when we all looked at the season, that was sort of the measuring stick. We Steve had talked about this last week going into that Pitt game is that this is the bellwether mark for the Bearcats is do you have it or do you not? Are you up to speed with the power five or are you not? Pitt, whether they're on or not this year, you're going to have teams in the power five who are on that year and some who are not. And right now, I mean, so far we've got a little bit of a taste of that in our schedule before we get, you know, hopefully not smacked in the face with Oklahoma to start the season. So, I mean, that's going to be a really tough start to your big 12 schedule, but at the same time, you get that hardest game out of the way really early. And then you've just got to ride mm -hmm. it out, take care of business. And by that point, you know, the Oklahoma game, I think the pit game gives you, the you figure out how your team is going to look for the season. And then by the time that you get to the Oklahoma game, you're going to figure out right. all the pieces that need to gel. I think you're going to be a little bit more lockstep at that point. The guys are going to really start to figure out that chemistry and hopefully it's all wheels turn in the same direction for the entire rest of the season. And I don't see why they couldn't coast from that Oklahoma game all the way to the end. I mean, it, it just, it would seem unreasonable given what the experience that we've had as Bearcats fans, of course, we're going to chalk them up to being great, mm -hmm. but to not be able to ride that out, I, I don't see how it, it's not, it's, 
it has to be possible. It's not an impossibility anymore. Right. It's, it's we could do it. Well, and if if you look at the guys that the holdovers from the fickle era, these guys have won a lot of games. Taj Ward, he's won a lot of games. Malik Van, he's won a lot of games. Jawan Briggs won a lot of games. So I think the the biggest thing is there hasn't been much difference in culture with this team. And it's because of so many old guys from that fickle era and from other programs that have kind of just made this transition seamless. Yeah. Well, and do you think that some of those guys from, you know, this team going forward, do you think there might be, we're really early, but do you think there might be some kind of sophomore slump next year when you get that first real year of Satterfield where you're kind of retiring out a lot of the old fickle veterans? Um, I don't think so. Just because you look at the transfers that came in, Xavier Henderson, he's he's had a big impact. Donovan Ali, um, Aaron Turner, D. Will, all of these guys have shown that they can play at a really high level. I mean, Luke Kandra on the line. You know, I don't the offensive line. I think one of the biggest reasons the offensive line hasn't been talked about is because Luke Kandra has helped with that transition and this outside zone run scheme. His experience within that system has helped the other guys come along at a much quicker pace than people probably expected. So I think especially in an era where transfer portal is so prevalent, it's it's not very hard. Which is which is why I think that going forward, um, he's obviously recruiting at a high level at the high school level. And with the transfer portal portal, using that to fill in where you maybe miss on some high level high school guys. I think they'll be fine moving forward because the Cincinnati program sells itself with the success and history. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering too, just because we were just shooting it around on Saturday, everybody was feeling good Saturday night after the win. And I kind of just threw it in the, the, the discussion. I was like, you know, is this year's team just as good or if not a little bit better than last year's now? I mean, that just opens a whole can of worms. We're two yeah. games in. I'm like, probably way too high on this year's team so far but i just to me if you look at some of the guys that they that transferred out they have not really been as productive or asked to do as much as they would have been or they had been at cincinnati so like you know just some of these guys that they've brought in i I definitely think there is some more talent there and i don't know maybe necessarily if the team that luke fickle had on the field last year goes into pit and wins the game that way. Just because like Justin said, you know, the style of last year's team was to work into the game and then kind of take over the game as it went. The, the team on Saturday punched them right in the mouth. So I think the biggest difference between last year's team and this year's team, they're way more prepared. And that's not a knock on Fick. Like Fick won a lot of games when he was here, but you look at the focus and how loose they were in pregame warmups. Like you could tell a difference compared to other big games when Luke Fickle was here. But as far as like the difference in talent, you look at the wide receiver room. Last year you had Trey uh, Trey Tucker and wide receiver uh, Xavier Henderson. Xavier Henderson was Florida's uh, leading wide receiver last year. Aaron Turner, another guy that was UConn's leading wide receiver. Um, D. Wiggins, you know, he's a guy that played at Miami, had experience at Louisville. Braden Smith, he's he had his best offseason, and he's finally healthy. Um, so I don't, you know, Jim Kelly Jr., 
the one of the voices of the Bearcats mentioned the same thing. I don't think it's out of the question to think this wide receiver room is better than what they had last year. And that's with the, all of the attrition they saw in the offseason. The running back room, you know, it's it's loaded. Corey Kinel, Kiner, Miles Montgomery, Ethan Wright, Ryan Montgomery. Ryan Montgomery was the starter last year, and he's maybe the third or fourth option this year. Um, you look at the offensive line. I don't think it's crazy to think that the offensive line is better this year. And then the defense with all of their returnees, I mean, that speaks for itself. But I think the the most underrated part of that defense is the secondary. You know, you look at Jordan Young, Taj Ward, Brian Threats, and Sammy Anderson. Those are all guys, like I said, that have played a lot of ball. And they've kind of like made this transition seamless with how well they've slotted in on that back end. Yeah, this is you, you kind of mentioned a point earlier. And, um, you know, I think there are a lot of improvements in this roster um, I've, I've been saying that for a while too. Like, I, I really do think that we've had a handful of upgrades here. Um, but I, I feel like when you look at the way that fickle scheme ran and you look at the way Scott or, or Scott Satterfield scheme runs, I don't know, maybe it's just, we, maybe we got such a bad taste in our mouth with the way that fickle left and with the way that last season went. But I really feel like if you put this same team under Luke Fickle's watch, you give him all the same guys and let him run his thing. I might catch some flack for this, but I feel like he goes into pit and loses that game. I don't know if he wins that game or he it's going to be a he, dog fight. He wants to play that Big Ten style like he like we yeah. just saw on Saturday where they had to come from behind and then they they took an L. I mean, you know, it's again, I'm I'm talking out of my ass after one good away game yeah. in the Satterfield era. But I think that just speaks to like, you know, people were excited, you know, maybe not as ex- excited about this hire as they would have been with other coaches. Obviously, you know, if Dion was at Cincinnati, maybe we'd be like just everybody would have been excited. But I think this is a really good win for Satterfield. I think like tell me if I'm wrong, Ryan, but I, I think this should bring a lot more people who maybe not have been fully hundred percent in on him, bring them more into the fold. And then if you take care of business against Miami, you're going into the Oklahoma game three and oh, I think that's best case scenario for any Bearcats fan before the season started. Like if I had told someone, okay, this guy's going to come in, not do uh, like not be, have as much fanfare, but then do well in the transfer portal, do well in the start of recruiting and start the season three and oh, but I mean, you know, what, what more can you ask for? Yeah, well, so something I really noticed about Scott Satterfield, he comes off and has this reputation as being, you know, kind of a laid back guy, but he gets after it. Um, the The biggest difference between him and Fickle that I've noticed is it's more mental. He's giving them mental challenges, whereas you know, if a uh, you know Fickle would say, hey. That play didn't run right. Let's run it again. And they would keep running it until he was satisfied with whereas Satterfield, he said, All right, we're moving on to the next thing. And then they go and look at it on film. So it's a lot more mental with Scott Satterfield than it was with Luke Fickle. But he made a statement today that kind of caught me off guard because I hadn't heard him say it yet. And it's if I call a play, I expect it to be executed. And that's something that's being instilled in the players. So they, they kind of have an understanding and an agreement, more or less, that, hey, if he calls this, he's expecting us to run it, run it to perfection. The perfect example, the um, the Braden Smith end-around pass to D. Wiggins. That wasn't something that what they were successful with in practice, but he ran it because he had the confidence that they could execute it in a game because the defense might be more aggressive or less aggressive than what they saw in practice. 
And I think that his confidence in his team is really rubbing off with them with how aggressive they're playing on both sides of the ball. Uh, yeah, it kind of, so just from hearing stories about the Brian Kelly era, you see, I, I know that's a bad word to bring up among UC guys, but yeah. um, just from what I heard, you know, it was, he kind of kept it really loose at practice. Like he ran the plays, obviously you kind of understood what you were supposed to do, but like, for example, if there was rain during the Brian Kelly era, he was like, Oh, we're not practicing in this, this is bullshit, you know? And like, cause yeah. they didn't have the indoor practice facility yet. So I, you know, maybe that's something this team needed and some of those fickle holdover guys needed was that, you know, just a little breath of fresh air, like you said. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I did have one question for you though, because you were at Pitt on Saturday. Um, you know, the, the Pitt fans in all sports, they, uh, uh Pittsburgh fans are, are known to be, uh, friendly towards Cincinnati people. Did you hear anything good, uh, like trash talk or anything from the Pitt fans on Saturday? Um, <laughs> So this this isn't a family podcast, right? No, go ahead. Right, so, absolutely not. <laughs> I a couple of signs out. My favorite sign I saw was probably Dick's out for Harambe. <laughs> and then, um, you know, there there was another uh, moment where a girl was, I don't know who it was directed at, but was telling one of the UC players, you can have this, um, you can effing get it. <laughs> Uh, and then just a lot of, you know, my, my I think my favorite moment was a Pitt fan was, you know, F you, F you, and Dorian Jones is just blowing. Kind of talking about with, you know, just they're so loose out there, man. I'm telling you, during pregame warmups, even in a hostile environment, they're so loose. Some teams will probably get rattled by that, you know, fans yelling F you and this and that. But Dorian Jones is just blowing them kisses. Miles Montgomery is telling guys, that you know that are yelling at him hey when i score in this touch i'm gonna make sure i come see you so it's just <laughs> it's just it's i'm it's it's a different vibe man we'll see how the rest of the season plays out but it's a totally different vibe and i think it's because Sat, scott satterfield is so loose with this team um and defensively you know you go from trestle to brian brown I don't know this for a fact, but I could see there being some issues between Trestle and some of the defensive players from last year's because he had never played the game. Whereas you bring in a guy like Brian Brown, he's he's one of them. You know what I mean? Like he's played the game. He understands it. Walt Stewart, he understands that he's been through the grind of a season. He knows, you know, blood, sweat, and tears what you're going through. And I think Scott Satterfield couldn't have assembled a better staff, especially the, the guys that to handle the recruiting, you know, Jack Griffith, Cass Simmons, I had a chance to finally meet Cass Simmons on Saturday. Awesome, dude. I'm telling you, like every recruit I talk to when I'm doing a podcast or a, a uh, interview, these dudes love that recruiting staff. And a lot of it has to do with how genuine they are. Like the one common theme with any recruit I talk to is, you know, they don't BS me. This staff does not BS me. They're upfront and honest, but they also show that they really care about me. Uh, that's awesome. And like I said, what more could you ask for from Satterfield, from his staff, from these guys? It really seems like he needed a breath of fresh air, mm-hmm. you know, probably not the best situation in Louisville. And also like the roster at Cincinnati was still at a good place where he felt maybe I can bring in here and make a successful year one because, you know, his time in Louisville, he was successful right away. One right, ACC yeah. coach of the year right away, even with that depleted roster that Bobby Petrino left. And, it's not 
I don't think it's that wrong to say that UC's probably got just as good of a roster right now than he ever did at Louisville. And maybe he can even keep building on that and keep growing that. So I, I think it's just awesome. Again, I'm probably just buying into the hype way too much after one game, but man, it's fun. Like we're, we're supposed to be having fun. We're supposed to be homers here and prisoners of the moment as well. (laughs) No one's coming to our show to listen to us like dog on the Bearcats or anything. Right. (laughs) So, Uh, Ryan, you do cover basketball as well. So I did have one basketball question. Um, do you have any insight on the waiver status for Aziz Bendego and uh, Jamil Reynolds? I, obviously, NCAA has been taking some fire last couple mm-hmm. days for the Tez Walker situation at UNC football. So is is that something to believe that right. we don't think they might get their, their waivers this year? Uh, I'll be honest, man. I don't even think Wes Miller knows what's going on with it just because the NCAA is so unpredictable. I did talk to uh, Chad Dollar a little bit before the uh, Eastern Kentucky game, and he even said, you know, if if I knew, honestly, I have no reason not to tell you. (laughs) And he's like, but we were literally just waiting on the NCAA. They're so unpredictable. We don't know what's going on. He's like, you know, we we feel confident with, you know, the situations, but the NCAA is so unpredictable that no one knows. You know, I don't think anyone on the coaching staff, they obviously know the personal situations of the players. Like I said, I think John Cunningham knows, you know, what to expect out of this outcome. And he's got a compliance background. So at this point, it's just kind of up to the NCAA. All, all, my, my biggest hope is they continue to post, like, you know, little nuggets of Aziz and Jamil practicing. If you notice yeah. in the social media posts those are usually the first two pictures they post so maybe they know something and they're just waiting to release it but i friend or any of the guys know what's going on with the ncaa and those waivers yeah i mean i i think it's such an interesting time too because <clears throat> i don't think based on where we're at we're going to be having i guess we'll have another what two years of this given the covid timeline yep so It'll be interesting to see how yeah. some of these shake out over the next few seasons. But, um, you know, I don't know. I'm much more a fan of, I, I don't know why a lot of these teams don't just rally together and tell the NCAA to shove it because like, I mean, who really cares? Like these guys want to play, they right. have eligibility. There's nothing that they could do. It says, Oh, what are we going to do? Put a ban on your team. Well, everybody just has to band together. That's how boycotts happen. Boycott the NCAA. I'm calling it now. That is what it is. That's a whole different story. But I have one final question for you. So you're covering the Bearcats. Uh, You spent a long time uh, as as a UC fan. So you have to like Skyline. And if you don't, you're a sinner. So what is your Skyline order? Um, My thoughts on Skyline? Uh, I, I mean, I like Skyline. I, I grew up in Northern Kentucky, but I mean, I always prefer Skyline over Gold Star. <laughs> okay, good, 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 but good, it's, good, good, so good. Funny is, you know, I've, I've talked. I'm not going to put them on blast, but I've I've talked to uh, a couple recruits, and they're like, "Yeah, I just I didn't like it." <laughs> but then there's other there's other kids that absolutely loved it. Like absolutely yeah. loved it. Like yeah, I didn't know. You know, you guys, there, but it's it's legit. I will say the one the one thing um, that a lot of the recruits have really liked is the Eagle. So OTR, the Eagle, the chicken place, recruits love it. Everyone I've talked to has been like, that's one of my favorite parts of the visit is the Eagle. 
And, you know, they're, they're obviously taking to a steak dinner and all of that, but the eagle, the chicken, that's the chicken and the honey, man. They love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a great spot. Yeah. So yeah. What, 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 what's your usual order then uh, when you're, well, uh, a skyline order or eagle order? What do you, what do you usually get? There? I usually get a, a, a three way and a cheese coney. Okay. Nice. Yeah. yeah that's quality. That's the way you go. I'm not a fan, not a fan of the hot dog. So it's usually the chili cheese sandwich. But I, I do always get a three-way anytime I go there. Interesting. Yeah, I'm kind of the opposite of you. I don't. I'm not really like crazy about the spaghetti and the chili yeah. together. But I love the Toledo and I love the the cheese coney. So, but but yeah, I mean chili cheese sandwiches can't beat that either. I mean to to put it frankly, uh, actually that's a really good pun. I didn't even mean to say that. But to put it frankly. Uh, there's a lot of different options yeah. on the menu, uh, but I'm going to put my friend here on blast and I hope he finds this and listens to this. John, you can't go to skyline and order a hot dog with ketchup and nothing in a, and a cup of cheese. It is a <laughs> sin order the damn chili. John, you're being yeah. put on blast. Yeah. And it, if you go to skyline, you have to eat the chili. That's just how it is. If you don't like it, don't go to skyline, but don't go to skyline and get a hot dog. You can get that anywhere. That's all I have to say. Did, really... uh, have you guys heard of the Godfather? What he used to, what yes. Dante Corleone used to eat? Oh my gosh, that's way so much food. Where <laughs> you know, is obviously a big dude, but my, how can you sit there and eat that much food in one sitting? That's like enough to feed a small family. And how else are you supposed you know, to crush chairs <laughs> in press conference? Oh, interviews. you hear about that? <laughs> we yeah, saw the video. That, that was awesome. Yeah. I, it was so funny. Emery's reaction so, was just like, just a, just a quick. <gasps> it's perfect. So I was, I was the one asking Emery the question and I, and I see it like out of the corner of my eye, I see what's going on and I'm trying to keep it together and not just, you know, lose it. And then I see Emery do this and I'm like, oh man, I, I got to finish my questions. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to lose. I'm getting ready. This. It was so funny. And then seeing Zach Stipe, you know, he's. <laughs> Five nine, five ten, you know, maybe one hundred eighty-five pounds trying to help with Dante. That's <laughs> part of it. But it's all good, man. Dante was a good sport about it. Uh, apologized and said sorry to ruin your guys' interview. <laughs> but no, it was good, man. That's what I'm saying. This team's a lot of fun to cover. Like every, you know, even you know, talking. It's just I'm telling you, man. Like. There's something different about, you know, they could not win another game this season, but there's something different with just how much fun this team's having together. And uh, hopefully it translates to some wins the rest of the season. Definitely. Well, um, I, Justin, I thought you were going to say something there, but uh, <laughs> I appreciate you, Ryan, for joining us. Um, where can people follow you, find your work, and uh, support the show? Yeah, um, it's from a long time ago, so it's Ryan underscore KY0203, uh, and then I'm kind of going back and forth with where we're posting ourselves currently. You can find it at 48minutesnetwork.com, as well as riverfrontu.com, uh, so they do a, a Bengals podcast, a Reds podcast, and then obviously the, uh, the Bearcat stuff that we do, so... Yes, support the brand. Love it. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely be supporting. Gonna, gonna try and send some people your way. So we appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on and keep doing, yeah. keep up the great work. Yeah, absolutely. Let me know when you guys are in town for a game, and we'll link up. Yeah, we'll do. Sounds good to me.
I might be looking at Oklahoma, so we'll see. I'm I'm still undecided. I'll be there, man. <laughs> <laughs> big uh big noon big noon kickoff. Yeah. Well yeah, actually, that'd be awesome. I'm I'm a well here's a question for you. Are you by chance taking the road trip to BYU? No, I'll be in uh, uh Destin, Florida that week. Oh, okay. Yeah. You say both Steve and I will be there. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll be yeah, I'll be I'll be covering the BYU game from a beach. So yep. can't hey, beat that. that's a way better <laughs> place to cover the game from. Yeah, <laughs> but I am I'm gonna try to go to uh Oklahoma State and I'm for sure going to West Virginia. Nice. Um and then the Houston, I'll be honest, man, I've been to Houston before. I have no interest in going back to Houston <laughs> this year. So <laughs> I think I'm just I'll I'll go to uh Oklahoma State and then I'll be there at West Virginia and then obviously all of the home games. Now basketball, I'll be a lot more active. I'm gonna go to Kansas. Uh, gonna oh, go to yeah. Baylor, uh, TCU. I have friends down there in the Dallas area, so I'll definitely be covering a lot of the basketball road games. Perfect. Well, we'll be looking forward to seeing you around, man. It's nice to uh have a new but also familiar face at the same time, so yeah, we'll be on the lookout for you. And again, everybody, you can find Ryan over at, <clears throat> at Ryan underscore KY0203, uh, and, and be on the lookout for some of his stuff. He's very fun to talk to, and we've enjoyed his his presence here. So, again, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate you guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.